Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, youth pastor Gary Jones concludes a series called What is Going On, where we read the entire Bible in a year, and it is exciting to have concluded it. John wrote Revelation to seven churches to encourage them to keep the faith. So it's not written to us, but it is written for us. And this letter can be hard to understand, but it gives us a heavenly perspective on our earthly circumstances. After the message and throughout the week, read the book of Revelation. Also, check out nwhills.com hub, that's H-U-B, for additional resources like book overviews, reading plans, and application questions. Now, here's today's message. Like Pastor Josh said, I'm Gary Jones. I'm the youth pastor here, and I have a question to ask all of you this morning. And you can uh, cheer, show of hands, or, you know, show me your shoes you're wearing. But who in here is a backpacker this morning? Yeah, okay, now, and I'll extend it. If you've ever been backpacking, raise your hand. Okay, you don't have to say you're a backpacker. Or if you've ever went camping before, you can raise your hand. Okay, perfect. All right, so backpacking is, if you don't know, it's kind of like camping, but it hurts more, and you do a lot of walking. That's, that's kind of what backpacking is. And four years ago, uh, right when I first moved here, the first summer I lived here, Sam Grimm and I, um, many of you may know Sam Grimm, Sam Grimm and I took a group of interns on a backpacking trip, and it was epic. We went to the Wallawas. I think I'm saying that right, but every time I still have to think about, okay, the Wallawas. Um, Eagle Cap Wilderness up in northeastern Oregon, and we just had such a good time. There was peril there was, uh, there was bad things. I don't know why that's funny. Every day we had like a life-threatening situation. I think the first day I was like up to my, water, my waist in a rushing river of water, and we had a dude with us that's a literal foot shorter than me, and I'm like, he's going to wash away. Um, the people that followed behind us, they had a dog that did wash away, but they, they got it. They caught him. Don't you worry. And... Um, they saved us because we dropped our phone that had all of our maps on it, and we, we didn't bring a paper map, rookie mistake, I know, millennial, I learned my lesson, but uh, the people behind us were like, you saved us, and they're like, well, you saved us because we were following your tracks because they had a paper map, so ha. Um, anyway, long story short, on the very last day, I mean, the whole trip, I could sit down and tell you all about it, it was a blast. On the very last day, we had originally planned on camping twice in the same spot. We were going to spend five days and four nights. Well, on the, the last day, we were like, dude, this is awesome. We don't have to reset up camp tonight. We can hang out, maybe summit something and do whatever. And as, as the morning got going, we finished breakfast. We finished our uh, like morning devos and kind of you know put stuff away. And it started snowing. And we kind of knew there was precipitation in the forecast. And the mountain forecast, you know, it's tricky. It's like... Is it going to snow? Is it going to rain? We don't know. And so at 9 a.m. it started snowing. So we're like, let's just go in our tents and see what happens. So throw the first picture up there. This is, this is like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. I don't know, something there. We've got wet boots. We're trying to dry them out. And then three hours later, show the other picture. I mean, we, we got destroyed. <laughs> and, and these three young bucks, they're all 18. One of, two of them had like never been backpacking. One of them never been car camping before. And they're in this tent, just kind of like singing like uh, Country Roads Take Me Home, just like happy. <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to die. So 
right after this picture was taken. They're still the last one. It's still funny at this point. Ah, it's funny. It's still funny. Um, we packed it all up, and we originally were planning on leaving the next morning at like 7 a.m., and so we get going at 1 p.m., and it's way late, and we got 13-plus miles to hike out, and I mean, all of our stuff at this point is just pretty soaked, and so we start hiking, and we're going, and I mean, a couple hours into it, we are just completely wet to the bone, and uh, one of the guys goes, guys, I just remembered, there was a sign at the trailhead that said hot showers <laughs> and i was like no way man you're pulling our leg and he's like no i'm dead serious i promise you it said hot showers and as he's talking about it, i was like you know what i kind of remember that driving in it was a white sign and it was uh, painted plywood kind of weathered and black letters big block letters that said hot showers and i was like dude no way we have hot showers to look forward to after this and so you know, it just boosts our spirits. We're hiking along. There's more river crossings. We almost fall, and we're like, there's hot showers. <laughs> I mean, nothing could stop us. And you know, mile like eight, we're just dead tired. Your feet hurt so bad. And so there are hot showers. <laughs> and it was the hope that kept us going on to the end. And today we're at the end. We're at the end of the Bible. You can cheer for that. Yeah, it's awesome. And even though there were no hot showers at the end of that hike... <laughs> We made it. <laughs> True story. He thought there was. We checked like every little, you know, if there was a four by four building, we checked it. There was no hot showers. Uh, we made it. Many people keep the book of Revelation on the shelf because uh, it's difficult to read. All right. You guys can smile with me, laugh with me. It's a tough read. It's challenging. Uh, but it's such a rich book of encouragement. There's so much in there that when you read it, um, there's something for you. God has something for us. And most agree, so I'm going to start with like just kind of a bunch of helpful things for reading it, and then we'll get into some preaching here, but most agree, um, it was written by the Apostle John, Jesus' beloved disciple, his friend, the same guy that wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and uh, it was written, it indicates in verse 9 that John that did write it wrote it from the island of Patmos, and um, it was probably written in the mid-90s, not the same mid-90s that some of you guys uh, grew up in, but the one almost 2,000 years ago. And it's, it's a letter addressed to seven churches, and it's important when you're reading this, you know, it's like, this is a letter that is written to people. It's for us, it's not written to us, but it's written to these churches. Um, you can see them listed in verse 11, and there are seven churches in the Roman province of Asia, modern-day Turkey. Um, and it's certainly just, it is, has been a message for churches everywhere throughout history. Um, one good context for us to remember um, is just kind of like a key purpose for it is to encourage the church to persevere, to keep going. It was written at a time uh, when they were going through intense persecution. I mean, you read about uh, Jesus' followers and how they were boiled in oil and how they were um, tortured and they were beaten and they were killed and uh, crucified. And just all of the turmoil that was going on at the time, you can read this and read about the martyrs and read about um, just, you know, what's going to happen to them in the resurrection and uh, know that it is an encouragement to them uh, just as much as it is to us. And it is super helpful to know that the kind of literature it is, is apocalyptic literature. And it'd be the same kind of literature as the visions in the second part of Daniel. And uh, they're given, apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature is given to give us a heavenly perspective on our earthly circumstances. And so the first words of the book, it says, uh, the revelation, that's a translation, the apocalypse. 
Um, it's a Greek word that says uh, it means to unveil, to pull back the curtain, to reveal what's really there. And I think uh, apocalypse definitely gets lost in our culture because we hear it and we think, apocalypse. And our, our first thing is like a cataclysmic event that's going to end the world. You know, what is it? If you live in Oregon, it's the big one, the earthquake thingy. What is it? Yeah, that thing. I was, I, I was just like, I typed in like Oregon, end of the world, the big one. And like all these articles came up. And there was one in April and it was showing like this, this little hole in the sea that was like letting up steam. And it was like, it's going to happen. You know, I mean, you just read about it every year. Um, the apocalypse isn't about uh, the, the catastrophe, but it's a revealing, it's a revelation. And so uh, this morning, just as you read, you know, some more helpful stuff. One scholar suggested, and that, that phrase right there is just, I mean, you read scholarship on this book, and you will find the most opinionated debates of like, this is for sure what the blood on Jesus' robe, robe means, and this guy over here says this, and this guy says like, no, this is for sure what it means. They're not the same thing. Have fun reading it. Um, but one scholar suggested if you go find a quiet spot, and you get comfortable, and you pull out the Bible, and you read all the way through the 22 chapters. It'll take you 45 minutes to an hour. And try to discipline yourself not to get caught on all the rabbit trails. I mean, there's so much interesting stuff in it. But just read it all the way through. And then at the end, pull out a notebook and write down, like, here's the main message of this book. And that's hopefully what the message this morning will be like, uh, just an overview of the book. Uh, but I'm really excited for everybody to read it this week. Feel free to text me or call me or whatever. I have... Uh, hurt my head studying it, and so it'd be fun to talk to you about whatever is hurting your head about it. But this morning we're going to stand together as we read Revelation 1, 1 through 3 together, and I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and we will say together, thanks be to God. So let's open this up. Verse number 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can take a seat. So if you're taking notes, you can write this kind of at the top of your page. This revelation from Jesus shows spiritual realities about the world we live in from a heavenly perspective. I'll say it again. This revelation shows spiritual realities about the world we live in from a heavenly perspective. And it does reveal things that must take place, things that are to come. Um, be careful not to read every piece of information in here as, this is the time, this is the place. You know, you might have heard or seen all the charts Ron and I were laughing this morning. There's a book on my desk that says the title of it's Understanding Revelation. And he's like, even right there, Gary, he's like, that's a pretty tough title. Maybe it should have said trying to understand Revelation. But just don't look for all the, uh, the wins in it, but know that God's trying to show us something bigger. He's trying to pull the curtains back and say, here's what's really going on. Um, a key uh, to reading just for every generation, it says uh, they've read it. They've heard it, they've kept the words in it, and there's going to be blessing in that. So if you want to be blessed, read the book of Revelation. Uh, and I want to answer the question for this morning, what are we longing for? Everybody that walked in here this morning, we're longing for something. There's something we're looking for, searching for in the world. What are we longing for? I want to answer that. And I'm going to give three realities about this uh, heavenly perspective. And here's the first one. 
there is a spiritual battle of good and evil. There's a spirit. I could get an amen right there if you guys are. Yeah, there we go. There's a spiritual battle of good and evil going on. Um, behind so much of what is going on in the world, behind so much that we see and hear about and think about and do our, our own actions, there's a spiritual battle of good and evil. In Revelation 12, verse 7, um, it talks about this battle. It says, Now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Man, it it would do us so well to remember that there's a battle of good and evil going on. You know, I think of just when we have a bad day, we can call it. It's like, oh, I just had a bad day. And you think about the circumstances that might have happened in your day and what led to you feeling that way. And you think about, yeah, it might be helpful to realize that we don't just struggle against flesh and blood on this earth, but there's a spiritual battle raging, and Satan hates those who believe. He's trying to mess you up. Uh, It should show the root cause of believers that are going through difficult things uh, to have joy, to have encouragement, to endure under trials, because we see the dragon here, Satan, described as the ancient serpent, obviously a reference to Garden of Eden, when he, he tempts Adam and Eve, and, uh, and they eat the apple, and they fall from God's presence, and he's this deceiver of the whole world, right? He's still trying to peddle lies to you and I, and he's super crafty, and he knows every single person's little like uh, angle that he can get him at, and he hates us, and he's trying to drag us down, <laughs> everyone that he can with him, and um, you do well to remember that there's a battle of good and evil going on. You might remember a few weeks ago, our friend Anastasia uh, from the Ukraine was here, and uh, just the reality that she's, uh, she's seeking some health, uh, some medical attention for some health issues she's got going on, right? So she's got like uh, physical things she's going through and she's headed back to the Ukraine to war. Like, can you imagine what, what that reality is like for her? Uh, and the encouragement, because um, war is horrible. Um, you read Revelation and things are going to get harder in the last days. The encouragement is that God is still on his throne, and he's reigning, and he's good, and he's going to uh, end this battle of good and evil. And I don't know, for you, you might be uh, tempted to compromise in the workplace, right? At the beginning of the book, some of these churches are given these encouragements um, not to falter. And for you, maybe like in the workplace, you are tempted with things of compromise, or maybe somebody's saying like, you have to agree with this statement, or you have to agree with this belief, or um, you know, I think of uh, a dear friend of mine that used to work in an industry that was uh, based on sales, and they said, you have to lie. And they're like, I'm not going to do that. And they said, you have to lie to make the sale. That's the only way to make the sale. And they said, well, I'll uh, tell them I'll buy them popcorn or I'll do whatever I have to do, but I'm not going to lie to them. They, they stood strong. The encouragement um, as we wrestle through these situations is there's, there's a big blessing for those 
who continue on. And you just read through some of the problems of these early churches, um, these churches that are written to, and they got affluence, uh, they got apathy, um, they've lost their first love, they're, they're not hot water, they're not cold water, they're worthless water, um, they got immorality, they got false teachings, and in heaven's perspective here, when you pull back the curtain, it says God's in control, um, don't compromise, don't fall into this kind of thinking, because I, I love that part at the end when it says the devil's time is short here. He's limited. God's got control over him. Um, God knows the world's agendas out there. God knows, and he's not surprised. He knows there's corruption. He's calling us to stand firm. And uh, recently, you know, I had, I, I would say it's a little situation as compared to martyrdom and real persecution going on in the world. I had a little situation. Uh, someone got upset and they called, they basically called the church and just were angry and wanted to talk to me, you know. And, you know, my mind went all these places. It, it wasn't someone in the church. It was someone who does not love God. They, they are just an angry person. And I got worried. I was like, oh man, like what if word gets out? What if, what if they cancel me? You know, I didn't do anything wrong. I was, I was like, uh, I had approval to do all the things I was doing, but someone was super mad and I just felt the weight of it. And I let it go for a day. And then I just thought, this is so stupid. God is on the throne, and who cares? And uh, I, know, I know Pastor Josh wasn't going to be mad at me. In fact, they, they called him, and they were like, yeah, well, if he can't answer, I want to talk to his boss. And I'm like, maybe I should have let him do that. Uh, <laughs> they might not have liked it. Uh, he's got my back. So, you know, certainly that's, that's not a real persecution like people do go through. I mean, North Korea, I was reading an article that came out, I think it was uh, in August, and it was, a, it was a piece of info from years ago, but it was just like the study had come out. And a two-year-old child was put into prison for life because their parents got found with a Bible in their home. That's real persecution. I mean, there's real forces of evil in this world. I was two weeks ago uh, in Pakistan. Um, churches and homes got burned and ransacked uh, because they were Christians. And so it's like, people are really going through this stuff. And here in America, I know, you know, it's like, we get the uh, Starbucks persecution where it's like, I'm mad because they say holidays instead of Christmas or whatever. It's like, it's not the real, it's not the real deal, but there really is persecution going on in the world. And when we read this, you know, we can be encouraged that God's got those believers, our brothers and sisters that are going through that. Um, yeah, it's just tough to read about things like that, uh, but we can have hope because conquer is completely, uh, it is um, repeatedly used in this revelation, the word conquer. And what, is, what does conquer mean? It means to overcome, right? We think of conquer as like a battle word, and it is a battle word, but pulling back the curtain, it means to overcome. Uh, it means these people are charged to live with great endurance. Uh, the Bible scholar Greg Beal says of standing firm, uh, in reference to this, he says, the suffering Christian of Christians is a sign, not of Satan's victory, but of the saint's victory over Satan because their belief in the triumph of the cross with which their suffering identifies them. Suffering for the sake of Jesus, Revelation will say, is a blessing. And it is a uh, suffering that won't last. And so point number two, the spiritual reality, um, and it's, it's uh, Jesus comes back and defeats evil. Uh, super strong point in this book. Jesus comes back. Uh, when I was thinking of this months ago and just preaching Revelation, it's like, you know what? He comes back. He comes back for his people. And uh, the hard part of it is he defeats evil. So verse uh, 11 of chapter 19, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, 
and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. So everyone thought throughout history and was anticipating that when Jesus came and, and was King of the Jews, that this is what he was going to be like. And when he, when he died on the cross, uh, people were perplexed. They were confused. You know, we talked about this back in the Gospels. They were wondering, like, what, what is going on here? Because we thought this was it. We thought this is when Israel rises up and God's people uh, take over in power. But now we read in Revelation about his return, um, what's really going to happen. You know, it's a spiritual reality that he's going to return. And because he's a good king, it means he's not going to allow evil in his kingdom. And when he returns at the end of time, he will punish all evil. And what's, I think what's tough about this is one of God's characteristics that we love to talk about is, is his love and his compassion and his patience and his kindness and his goodness. Or I said one of many of his characteristics. I think it's hard to talk about God's justice. Um, you read over and over in the Old Testament, I think it's more than 25, 27 times this is referenced. Uh, and it's the passage from Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. He's a loving God. Everybody wants to talk about this, but he's also a just God. And chapter 20 is going to say, they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And you read the cycles over and over in Revelation. You read about, um, I, I missed it in my notes, but you read about the, the seven lampstands, and you read about the seven trumpets, and you read about the seven seals and the, and the bowls, and you read about at the end of all these events, it gets so intense when you're reading the book. It gets so intense that there's an interlude for hope that says God's still on the throne. He's going to take care of his people. And then it says, kind of like goes through the judgment scene. And at the end of the book, it says all of us are going to be judged. And eternal separation from God is what it's talking about. It's talking about heaven is with God forever, and hell is separated from God forever in just a state of, uh, of agony. And it's hard to talk about, but I'm glad you're here this morning because there's so much good news, and we talk about it every single week. Uh, all of sin and fall short. Every single person in this room is on a level playing field when it comes to being judged by our deeds. They don't match up. Our best job, our best efforts is like filthy rags, the Bible will say to us. There's not a person in this room that can say my deeds are good, which is the great news of the gospel. And my favorite place uh, to find it in Scripture is in Ephesians 2. And Paul writes, he says, And you're dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. 
among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So that's all of us, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved. Man, the book here is an encouragement to those that conquer. It's not based on the fact that we are worthy, and the book will tell us only one is worthy, and that's Jesus. And if you put your faith and trust in him, that's how you can conquer, to overcome and to be in eternal paradise with God, which is the third point, and this is spiritual reality. The paradise that awaits is more wonderful than we can imagine. The paradise that awaits is more wonderful than we can imagine. Before we go there, I just want to say about the judgment scene and thinking about like talking about judgment even this morning. Man, as believers, when it says we're conquerors, we don't read the book of Revelation and go, yeah, that's right, we won. We should have a compassion towards those that are on our street, in our phones, uh, our family members, our friends, like the people that don't know to Jesus. Urge them, tell them, there's a better way. There's a way that you can have everlasting peace and that's by trusting in jesus and we should just have this urgency on our hearts when we read this book you know you read about the imminent return of jesus well that means we got something to do while we're still here on earth so don't wait so the paradise that awaits is more wonderful than we can imagine chapter 21 verse 1 then i saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and i saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down from the heaven out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away." Do you see all the Old Testament references in this book? I mean, every verse in the book of Revelation is an allusion to something that was said in the Old Testament. Like, even if we can't fully understand every piece of it, God's saying, everything you've been looking for, it's in Jesus. And something way better than hot showers is waiting for us at the end. Um, So to answer that question, what are you looking for? We got to look behind the scenes as John writes Revelation to, to reveal to us from, well, Jesus tells it to john it's jesus vision to john um we got to know what we're longing for uh, and down deep the longings of our heart the deepest longings of our heart is to be with god we live here on earth in a place darkened with sin um and we need a relationship with our father and i think an illustration for this my my younger daughter is 10 months old and it seems like all the ladies in the church that hold her shame me a little bit because when I walk by, they're like, oh, he didn't even notice you. And I'm like, hey, I'm at church. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my job here. Um, I'm just teasing. They're not shaming me too bad. But the point is, like, when, my, when I walk by, my daughter just, like, looks right at me. And she sees me and she hears my voice. Like, if I walk in a room, she knows I'm there. And, like, the instantaneous reaction is she just, like, looks up and reaches for me. And that really is what is behind the longing of your heart. You're looking for the Father. You might just not know it. The problem that so many of us have is that when we live here on the earth, our eyes get fixed down and we, we completely lose sight of what's important. We start getting fixated on things that we think will bring us uh, satisfaction but never will. And um, 
I don't know for you if it's like, maybe if I get this promotion. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I struggle with the performance thing. You know, if it's like, if I, if I can do this or win this person's approval or achieve this or have this, you know, on my title or record or whatever else, then, then I'll feel good. And the reality is you just need the Father. You need relationship with the God that made you. And he knows you intimately. He knows everything that you need. Uh, maybe it's, it's just like if you'll be more beautiful. Maybe if it's you'll, uh, you'll have this one thing, this item, uh, this, you know, a certain amount of money. And it's funny, it's always a moving target. Like it never works. And what we really need is our eyes fixed heavenward to remember we're God's child. And it's with him when we have everything we need. And so one last window to open this morning, Revelation 22, verse 1. It's such a beautiful picture of what's to come. It says, Then the angel showed me a river, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And you know what? Ron and I have been talking about this all week. Josh has been helping me, just encouraging me with this. Revelation tries to use words that no words can describe, like how great it will be. That is how great paradise will be. Um, My daughter has been uh, thinking about, you know, Things like this, a few weeks ago or a week ago, she asked me, hey, dad, um, what's it feel like when you die? And I was like, oh, man. And so we just like, we started in this really good conversation. It was so sweet. And we prayed and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, we can talk about this in the morning too. It's okay. I mean, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And I kid you not, the kid wakes up, stumbles into the living room the next morning. I'm sitting there drinking coffee. Her hair is all messy. Her eyes are all puffy. And she's like, hey, dad, will that fireplace be in the new world that God creates? And it's so sweet because she's, you know, it's like, that's the point. Her imagination is on that. And, and I just laughed, you know, I was like, man, fireplaces are pretty great. I don't know. This verse says we're not going to need the sun for light. So maybe not. But I was like, I'd like to think they'll be there. I don't know. What I do know is there'll be no more darkness, no more death, no more sorrow, no more curse. And if you go back to the beginning of the story, Genesis 3.15, you know, we read about the fall of man. We read about how Satan will strike Jesus' heel, but Jesus will crush his head. And you just read about um, these people, Adam and Eve. In the garden, they had perfect relationship with God. They had everything they needed, purpose, um, relationship. They're just with God. And, you know, we know that they rebelled. They were cast out. They rebelled just like all of us have. Can I get an Amen. And now they have to live with this hardship apart from God on this earth where it's just dark. And uh, oftentimes when we end a series like this, you know, this is like, this has been a year, this has been a big deal to go through the Bible in a year and like do the one book a week thing. Thank you, Pastor Josh, for the challenge, truly. Um, And a year ago, Pastor Josh stood up here and I listened to a little sermon uh, soundbite from when he spoke. And he said this, when you get to the end of something, he was talking about a ministry year, it feels like I'm ready for Jesus to come back, and he's not here yet. So we're going to keep going on. And how do we keep going on this morning? I mean, as I'm studying Revelation, I'm like, oh man, it's just never been heavier in my heart of like, how to keep going on. You keep going on 
because the promise that's to come. Uh, a very conservative scholar on a podcast I was listening to, he says, I actually believe in the prosperity gospel. And the interviewer, you know, is just like silent on there. And he, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what's this dude going to say? There's no way he believes in that. And he says, oh yeah, I believe in it, that there is blessing and wealth and riches. He said, I just think people get it wrong and they put it on the wrong side of eternity because it's what's to come in the future. So as we close, church, I want to urge you to cling to the Father. Use your imagination. Believe in the promise to come. Know that paradise forever is better with God than we can imagine. And these truths should be encouraging to us. On troubled days, they should encourage us. And on comfortable days, and maybe this is what we need to hear more, they should challenge us. Revelation pulls back the curtain of what's going on. It says, there is a cosmic battle of good versus evil. And though it rages, God is still on the throne over it all. And one day when Jesus comes back, he gives us a reason to hope. He conquers evil. Evil won't last forever. And our future with God is more amazing than anyone can imagine. And too often, church, we just look for the blessing here and we shouldn't be doing that. It says, stop looking for it here. It's in the life to come. And we should do a couple things. We should pray to God that he helps us see daily, heavenly perspective. God, what do I need to see from you today? And we should also cry out and worship, just as this book will say over and over and over, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I'm going to invite the band to come up here and play as we um, close out with worship this morning with just that, crying out, God, you're holy. Um, and just as Josh was saying this past week, when, uh, when I heard the news of Debbie DeRoss, I think I cried enough where I'm not going to do it right now, but, but I pulled up to church, and Ron pulled up right behind me, and I, I knew she was in the hospital, and I said, hey, Ron, how's Debbie? And um, I was expecting them to say that she had surgery, and she was recovering and healing, and he said, she passed away last night. And uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, it's like she was part of our church. She was part of our family. I just think when I saw her in the lobby like two weeks ago, I mean, she comes up to me, and she's like, Hey, Pastor Gary, I want to give you this, you know, Christian magazine, Focus on the Family. There's an article in there about marriage. I thought you might like it. It might be helpful. And, you know, there's stuff about youth. And we're just, she's my friend. And she dies unexpectedly. And I think why this is so hard is because we so deeply long for something more, for a relationship. And when we have a little glimpse of that here on earth, it feels good. And when, when people like Debbie DeRoss that love Jesus go to be with God, um, we feel that, that tornness of sin, that, the, you know, the, the breaking of relationship between us and them. The hope is this. I mean, she's in paradise right now. She is, she is in such heavenly paradise that we can't even imagine. And um, yeah, I just want us to uh, meditate on that as we close today, just the encouragement from Revelation. So bow with me um, and let's pray. God, thank you so much. Um, that you said to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And we come to you right now, God, with expectant hope um, that one day when it's all over, we'll be with you and experience uh, just the joy of being in your presence forever. Um, God, for those that know you, help us, the church, endure. Help us keep going. Help us be conquerors to stand up even in the face of opposition. God, like people in this book died for their faith and you showed their glorious resurrection next to you, and, and they were blessed for it. And this morning, if anybody doesn't know God, I just, I just want you to take time right now. If he's stirring in your heart, respond to him. 
And the message is this. The message is that God made you. He loves you. He created you. Um, before the foundations of the earth, he knit you together in, in your mother's womb and he knew you. And our story is a story of rebellion. Um, we're just thankful that Jesus paid the price so that at the end, where our name is written in the book of life, not because of us, but because of him. Uh, and he came to this earth. He experienced the wrath of God, the separation on the cross, and he rose again and he's seated with the Father, and he's coming back. And so for you today, if God's stirring in your heart, the truth is he died for you, and you can respond to that. You can ask him to forgive you of your sins. You can ask him uh, just to begin this new life with you so that you can walk uh, as one who knows the Lord, as one who on this earth can have a, a faithful endurance and a hope that there's something to come. And if that's you this morning, I just, I just urge you pray right now. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for um, just today when we can stop in our lives and take one day out of the week to worship you and cry out that you are a holy God. And we're so thankful for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage with us. And if you're able, we'd love to see you at church next Sunday. Thanks again for listening.